Life Audio. Coming up on Encouragement for You, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Minrith on depression, which is so common in the holidays, and Greg and Aaron Smalley talk about ways to create holiday traditions. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Many people think of the Christmas season as the happiest time of the year. But for others, this is a time when they struggle with depression. The late Dr. Frank Minrith invested years into helping those who struggle with depression. And he joins host Don Hawkins on our first segment. Maybe some folks uh, know what depression sounds like, but they're not quite sure what the symptoms are. Yeah, some are easy to spot and some are not, so you might want to take a note here. You might grade yourself zero to ten. Zero means it's really not a significant issue for you. One means it's a little bit of an issue, Mm -hmm. and ten, I mean, just catastrophic. Now, it would be remiss if we didn't start with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Yes. So even if you're feeling down, you can overcome this. Through Christ, you can do it. That sounds good. We'll begin with the first of your list of symptoms, Frank. Number one, depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day for the last two weeks. Zero to ten, where you been? Depression can be a reality in our lives, and Frank, even believers, even godly people can be depressed at times. Markedly de- diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities of daily living. Have you lost interest in everything? Maybe you're depressed. Significant weight loss or weight gain in the last few weeks. Either way, not, not really, then a zero, a little bit, then a one, and if it's, you gain a lot of weight, then it would go up. Insomnia, or it could be hypersomnia. Or, or you, do you have an inability to sleep, or are you sleeping too much? Either way, that might be a typical depression. Yeah, and the psalmist in several of the psalms talked about watering his couch with tears and talked about uh, tossing at night on his bed. Uh, Frank, I think one of the symptoms we've talked about before is a person waking up in the middle of the night and simply not being able to fall back asleep. 
Don, we see that so much. It's sort of rare when they're depressed, they're sleeping well. And many are, again, just sleeping, you know, way too much. So it's, it's an interesting one to look at. Either you're like you're in slow motion, psychomotor retardation, or you're, you're angry, agitation. So either way, how would you grade yourself? Are you real irritable? Are you in slow motion? How would you grade yourself? Zero to ten. Fatigue, a loss of energy nearly every day. Are you tired? Hmm. Are you really, is it a disguised depression? Yeah, and I think uh, when we think about uh, people being depressed, again, you think about the psalmist who talked about life literally just uh, dragging him down, and, and Solomon as well. I think especially of some of the comments that he made in, um, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Jeremiah in Lamentations, if you read the book of Lamentations, just uh, the tremendous drain on him emotionally and even physically. Feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt. First John 1 John 1.9 still in the Bible, Don, and it's going to stay there. Yep. So if people have done something wrong, you're a Christian, you've done something wrong, hey, you know, if we confess it, he's going to forgive us. But people just keep dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on it. Maybe they're depressed. And David in Psalm 32 just uh, continued to ruminate over his guilt. And, and uh, because he couldn't sleep, he felt guilty within. He, he recognized that he had sinned. And eventually he confessed that sin to God and, and received release from that guilt and even from his depression. Indecision. Do you second-guess yourself on every decision you make? And are you sort of harsh with it? Zero to ten, where would you put yourself, might be a sign of depression. Recurrent thoughts of death. It'll go in three or four stages. One is just a fleeting thought. Even that is significant. And Job is a great example of that one, Frank. When you talk about Job, he said, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Mm -hmm. He said, I wish I'd never been born. Mm -hmm. And Don, the second step with that is is a serious consideration. The third step of that is a plan. And, uh, of course, the fourth is an attempt. If you know someone on any of those levels, certainly the last three, yeah. it's time to get in gear. Frank, there were seven people in Scripture who took their lives, who committed suicide. And what a tragedy it is. Uh, sometimes people raise the question, well, if you're a Christian, you can't or will never feel suicidal or depressed. The reality is Christians can feel depressed, and, and I know you have a special word for those who may be feeling suicidally depressed. Well, just that Christ loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Loved you enough to die for you. He wants to help you. And we want to help you too. So you hang on. And sometimes people get so down, Don, they need to get in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just need to gather people around them. And, and you people need to gather real close and be with them all the time. Uh, maybe get involved in a local church where they can love you. But whatever you need to do, by all means, we need you in the body of Christ. Yeah, and if you have someone close to you and you're wondering, are they suicidal, don't think that you'll give them the idea if you bring it up. It's always appropriate to intervene and to ask, are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you thinking about this? Or are you just having fleeting thoughts? We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. In this segment of Encouragement for You, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley tap into some of their own family holiday traditions to offer encouragement and help for developing yours. 
I think the place that you always begin, it's really step number one, is to kind of discover what is most important to your family. Mm. And what that means is, is this is when you sit down as a family and really kind of talk about what are our core values? What are the things that really matter most to us? If, uh, if the, the, the concept of, of honor, for example, you know, really treating each other in a valuable way, if that's a core value, how do we frame a, and, and create a tradition around that? And, and, you know, if another one is, you know, for our family, laughter is a, is a core value. And and so what what you know so we want to make sure that that anything that we do tradition wise has fun and play mm. and, and laughter as a big part of it. But we also want to do things in a way that that would honor each other. So we wouldn't you know we wouldn't kind of create a tradition in, that's going to dishonor dishonor God dishonor someone else. Does that make sense? So oh, it's really, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's just trying mm-hmm. to to kind of what what is most important to to our family in. So essentially discovering what is valuable to your family. What's the second step we need to take? The second step is really to just to design togetherness times with each family member in mind. And I love what Greg was saying about honor, that that's part of honoring your family. Every family looks different. You may have, you know, a 16-year-old down to a 2-year-old. So, you know, keeping each family member in mind and designing activities and togetherness times around what each family member might enjoy, what they might like to do, and including that into if you're creating a tradition around a holiday or maybe it's just a tradition of a family night Mm. or, you know, once a week we're going to get together and do something that honors each person's needs and values and that everybody can participate in. Yeah, like I love our, we do a, a, a Christmas Eve special dinner it's just with our own family uh-huh and and we do fondue you know where you take the boiling lava mm. hot oh yes oil and you know you put all the different meats in it yeah and but what was fun is is we we aaron and i didn't just didn't decide hey this is what we're going to do what we did is we let the kids each decide one particular kind of food that we'll have there and in our son Garrison was in this mode of, of loving crab cakes. And so he mm. loves crab cakes. And so we always we have this this great fondue <laughs> and you know, someone picks for him, then we've got these these weird, awful crab cakes. Crab cake fondue. Out. Oh exactly. yes. there thank goodness we haven't tried putting those yeah. into the yeah. The fondue. Uh, yeah. It's interesting That's you guys have that. Ours is a shrimp bisque on Christmas Eve. Kathy always makes a shrimp bisque, and it's really great. And, and we've done that for, oh, ever since our 40-plus-year-old twin daughters were uh, were little bitty kids. And wow. uh, it's just been a fun thing for us to do. We were When we started it, we were down in Louisiana. I was pastoring a church in South Louisiana, and so uh, shrimp was a big thing down yeah. there, and shrimp bisque was a fun thing to do. But again, you want to design those uh, togetherness events so that each member of the family is honored. What's step number three? You know, another one is kind of the way that we frame this is to make it participatory. In other words, that, um, you know, for all of us, but especially for our kids, it's the doing that's really most important. You know, it's so, so we need to build kind of our traditions in a way it is for everyone. You know, the kids are included. Everybody has a say-so 
in in but but everybody participates in it as well cuz i don't don't know about your family but sometimes you know each family will have a member that you know kind of doesn't want to participate sure, or yeah. gets bored or I'm too old for this or whatever. Yeah. I think that's a part of what we want to do is 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 create these in such a way that there really is something for everybody. Let's move on to our fourth step, Greg and Aaron. Uh, well, of course, this is one that we all get excited about is plan the menu oh. for your for your uh, traditions. And you know what? A, it's not only great to have you know traditions around food, but what a great time to pass on generational recipes and uh, generational food items that family members loved previously. Yeah, especially to watch the kids start to get involved in the preparation. I know that, that uh, just to see our oldest daughter, Taylor, really begin to, to bake you know, certain desserts that, that she watched her grandma do or has watched Aaron do, and, and, and that's such a neat, as a matter of fact, Don, one of my very favorite tradition stories of all time, I heard the story about um, uh, a mom and grandma who um, everybody decided to have the traditional kind of Thanksgiving dinner over at the daughter's house who just got married. Uh-huh. And, you know, if anybody who remembers their very first Thanksgiving dinner to cook for everybody, I mean, it's such a nerve-wracking Experience. So the mom and the grandma show up over their daughter's house, and she's slaving away in the kitchen, and you know everything is everywhere. Yeah. And as she prepared each dish, she would bring it out, set it on the counter, and then take a huge mixing bowl and put it over the top. And kind of the mom and grandma looked at each other like, "What in the world?" Yeah. And she'd prepare this dish and bring it out and put a big mixing bowl over. And they saw this over and over, and finally they couldn't take it anymore, and they said. Honey, everything looks great and smells wonderful. You're doing an awesome job. But we got to know, why do you keep putting mixing bowls over the top of everything? And literally she looked at her mom and grandma and said, well, what, what are you guys talking about? She goes, I, I've grown up in your kitchens, and in, in every year, same thing, whenever you guys do mm. this, you always put a mixing bowl over the top of whatever you cook. Huh. And they both looked at each other and started laughing, and they go, sweetie, you're, <laughs> you're right, but honey, you don't have a cat. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? The reason they put the mixing bowl there, keep the cat out of the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Yeah, and she, yeah. Just, she had no idea. But, that, yeah. you know, that, that's how cool these traditions are, is we just end up doing them because that's what we saw done. And, and, and that's a, certainly a part of the meal. Well, and the menu might even come culturally from the background that our ancestors came mm, from. You know, like you were talking point. about the shrimp from, you know, Louisiana. The, right. My mom was raised on a farm in North Dakota, so oh, yeah. every Christmas we would have liver pate. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, sure what that is. I was yeah. thinking some kind of filet mignon or something like that. <laughs> well, that would be good, too. So we've got to get the menu in there, take care of that. Step number five really is build upon your traditions to, to really make them magical. In other words, you know, I think traditions by definition are meaningful customs that are passed down through a culture or through a family. And the, the, I, I love what we have an opportunity to do is that each time we can add something on and keep building on. So they go from maybe these, these family activities into full-blown traditions that get passed down. For example, you know, if we, you know, we might start a, you know, and have invite some people over from some, 
friends, family members from the the neighborhood over mm. for Thanksgiving. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in and maybe next year we we add on a, a Thanksgiving football game. You know, maybe we add on. Uh, you know, everybody brings a dessert, and so we see who can make the best pie. Or you know what I'm saying? I mean, you keep yeah. adding mm-hmm. and right. adding and adding, and, yeah. the, and that snowball effect really starts to create this magical experience that everybody mm. then looks forward to. And it's not stale. It's not just the same exactly. old, same old. It's really something exciting. Yeah, and, and what's cool is that, again, if, if instead of being rigid, if you allow for there to be some flexibility and to make some of these fluid, then, then again, everybody can feel like they can contribute. Our kids may have a new idea to, to try something, and we need to allow there to be space and room for, for new ideas. Very important that we uh, cultivate those new ideas, that we keep things fresh and don't let them grow stale. So, Aaron, step number six. We would call it being having it repeated and eagerly anticipated because by building regularity into our rituals, it, it really just brings them alive. If, you know, we can, we can have a dinner, a fancy dinner every so often, and that's enjoyable, but if we know that there's a certain time that this is going to happen every year, maybe not even every year, but maybe every week or every month, that we begin to look forward to it so we begin to anticipate it. Yeah, and I love even, again, these traditions don't have to be built around, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, Easter. Aaron developed one for our family that, that I know that, that I look forward to and I know our kids do because they do it when she's not around. And that's when, when we're at the dinner table eating together we will do an activity. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and Aaron started it. And then wow. we call it the high-low game. I'm sure many of our listeners have, have heard of that. But, you know, what was the high of your day and what was the low of your day? Mm, the high-low game, yeah. It's a, it's a simple tradition that we've created to encourage our kids to talk and to share what was the, what was the great thing about their day and what was the, the harder thing about their yeah, day. Yeah, challenging part. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't help thinking that there may be some people who – for whom that will be the number one thing they take away from this with all the traditions and all the steps, the high-low game uh, as a communication tool mm-hmm. because so often we sit at the table and stare at each other mm-hmm. or it's just a kind of an inane, what are we watching on television or, you know, are we going to the mall tonight or whatever? Or you've got homework to do. Oh, yes. You know, those kind of miserable conversations. Well, <laughs> and it, it teaches them communication skills too because they – they listen to each other, and they, yep. they know that they when another person is talking, they don't interrupt. And, you know, especially with teenagers, there's days that they're not real talkative. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> a way that, to get them going, yeah. Yeah, and they, they look forward to being able to share that. And we'll go next, Greg, to number seven, step number seven in starting your own family holiday traditions. Yeah, for us, this is really, especially within the, the realities of the financial state for many families in our culture right now, is that holiday memories come from traditions, not from gifts. Mm. And so oftentimes, it's so easy to get get sucked into and to have the mindset that we need to get all kinds of presents for our kids, have, make sure that they're under the tree, spend money. And, you know, the reality is we need to get away from the guilt of what we spend or don't spend. You know, we need to teach our kids that, you know, the, what the real meaning of holidays are. And, and so I think this year especially, you know, Aaron and I did this. when I mean, we've set a budget for our holidays and, and for our traditions and for the presents and things. 
and and really, you know, we we look forward, you know, to looking at this as an opportunity to refocus holiday time on relationships. You know, we we we're not going to be spending a lot of money this year, so the focus shouldn't be on gifts. It should be on you know time spent with our kids is more important than spending money anyway. Yeah. And so I think that this year especially is just a great opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.